The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. There's a blip in the story that discusses the Rechabite people. I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to move through and unpack what the Lord has for us. I think it's important to note before we begin, if you all are familiar with the word sojourners, are you familiar with that from the text? We're often spoken to Old Testament and New Testament, and the word sojourner is used. A sojourner is a a, a traveler. We, in Christ, are sojourners in this land. On this earth, this time is temporary. It is a blip. If there are any people who do not know Jesus in this room, all the way to the person who's been walking for decades, let the word prevail and the reminder be clear that this is not our home. This is not our forever home. This is not our defining place. This is all temporary. And we in Christ become aliens of this world, really. and sojourners through this land, but not aimless, never aimless. We're not vagabonds. We don't possess a vagabond spirit that is nomadic in nature, without purpose or plan, floating through. No, we are sojourners on assignment from the kingdom of heaven that are passing through to welcome all with ears to hear and eyes to see to the truth, to the way, to the truth, to the life. And it's very easy to get, because we're in this space, in this world, though called to not be of it, you have 10,045,000 things vying for ownership of you in this world. A lot of things are seeking to stake claim and to cause you to be stuck and to stand still and to lose sight of the fact that you are not of this land and we're a peculiar people, as the word says. Relationships, money, things, possessions, circumstances, past family history, future thoughts, your own thoughts and plans, all of these things want to stake you into this time, this place, this world, as if this is it. You only live once. Not in Christ, I don't. I'm born again. And there's an eternal home that my bridegroom has gone to prepare a place for me in. And this time, I'm passing through. And this should be our mentality. We're sojourners. You can think of it this way, if he's the general, then we're the troops on assignment, moving through this land. The Rechabites were a people that he used to paint this picture to his people and to paint a bigger spiritual picture to us today. Jeremiah 35 says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, 
Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials above the chamber of the Messi, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. But they answered, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us, to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we lived in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord, all oh, this is going to make sense in a minute. Don't worry. Someone's like, she has taken my Pinot Grigio. No, that's not where we're headed with this. Don't worry. <laughs> this is when we have to ask as we read the word, God, bring this to life in spirit and in truth. He wants to speak way more than the black and white words on the page. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord? The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil ways and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave you and your father's but you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I have called to them and they have not answered. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. I thought we were coming for a Galentine's event. What is going on? <laughs> thus says the Lord. <laughs> There is so much beauty and power to be unpacked from this text. When we understand the present condition 
that we are spiritual sojourners in this land and that he has given us his Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and that we are to follow and obey. If you look at this text, I'm gonna move chunk by chunk and just unpack to you the significance of the why. I think it's really amazing to note that it was instruction from the Lord that these people be tested. He said, go get the Rechabites, bring them to the house of the Lord, and offer them wine. These Rechabites have been faithful to their earthly father's instruction. And so when they were invited, they were invited to a very nice place. This is the house of the Lord. It goes down the list of the names we couldn't pronounce, of the chambers that are around them. They are in a place. They have been invited by a significant person. They are in an established place. Many of you are in the church. You are in the place of God. You are in the house of God. And yet a test is presented to these people. Some of you all are being tested by God with things that look very good and very nice and very appealing. I'm being offered choice wines in the temple, the house of the Lord. Some of you all have options in front of you that have been presented to you that in our flesh, our minds work like this. That seems really hard and like it could be really challenging and like maybe there's some cons. This seems really good and could be easy and really profitable. Decisions made. And we decide things. Again, I want you to you know what's going on in your life and what choices are being set before you. So apply that in this moment to this principle. In our flesh, we hardly think twice oftentimes. The higher salary, I'll take it. The better thing, I'll take it. The guy that could offer this, this, and this versus this one, I'll take it. And we make these quick impulse decisions off of what our flesh perceives to be the blessed thing. And Jeremiah brought the Rechabites into the house of the Lord and offered them choice wines and said, take and drink. The Lord will set tests before you. And yet the Rechabites had the wherewithal to weigh this offer against the instruction from their father, against the instruction and the words of what they knew as right. And we have to be a people, a women, who take what's set before us and do not operate in a spirit of haste. We don't want to be deceived. And weigh what is before us to the word of God and weigh what options are before us by the Spirit of God. Does this line up with what you have spoken to me? Does this, guess what? The Spirit of God's never gonna contradict the Word of God. So if you're like, well, the Spirit of God told me it was fine that I'm having sex with my boyfriend because we're eventually gonna get get engaged and get married, and so it's like we're married in our hearts. (laughs) That ain't the Holy Spirit talking to you. (laughs) It's really not. Because the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the word of God. And so we have to know this and know this so that we can test things and weigh things and allow the word of God and the spirit of God to either confirm or deny, yes, this test, this is for you. You pass. (laughs) 
or hold the phone. Don't operate in a spirit of haste. You know the number one way the enemy is going to get you to make poor choices? He's going to make you have to choose fast. Don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit's a quickening spirit. So things happen fast in life. But you are going to feel an anxiousness and a haste or a lack of paying attention, an apathy that's going to cause you to make quick decisions that are not for your good. And so the Rechabites had the wherewithal to say, hold on, let's fact check this. I don't care what the surroundings look like. I don't care that it's choice wine. I don't care that it's this Israel. This per- who? They don't, they're not the people of God. <laughs> Sorry, it's a no for us. Because they knew what their father had told them. Do we have the grit and the strength as women to not be people pleasers 24-7 and, well, I can't tell them no because what if they think I'm rude? <laughs> what if they think I mean? Have some boundaries. Have some clarity. Be kind and loving and full of grace. But know what your father has told you. And don't be afraid to say, it's a no for me. It's a no. The Rechabites had the wherewithal to do that. Again, I don't know your life circumstances. I'm preaching from walking this through my own. But it applies. So what is incredible then to see is that they repeat, they testify to why it's a no for them. And some of us are like, walking through decisions or choices or in peer groups that are pressuring us to make terrible decisions or in women groups that are full of gossip and slander or whatever it may be, and we know we should not partake. But we may say no thanks, but we fail to testify why. And really, as sojourners in this land, we have to have the grit and the wherewithal to not only say it's a no for me, but tactfully and led by the Spirit say And if you're interested, this is why. I serve the one who set me free. I can't come over to that wine party. I've struggled with alcohol. I know who I become when I'm intoxicated. Did y'all know what I was like in college if tequila hit the system? It was a rough situation in the promiscuous department. (laughs) I should have warned. I'm just very blunt. Those are my BC before Christ days, so it's fine. But I have to operate in boundaries now because I am not who I was. And that has to take my intentional effort to say it's a no for me because I know how much he loves me and what's best for me. And I also know how weak I am in certain regards. And so here's why. I was set free from my bondage. I was healed. I was transformed. My mind has been renewed. These things are not satisfying to me. And I use alcohol as an example, but use whatever it is for you. Fill in the blank of the why that you need to testify to because you're giving some yeses right now or you're operating in haste that are synonymous with who you were before you met him. And you're no longer enslaved in a brothel. You don't have to function like a prostitute functions. It doesn't have to be okay to whoever, whenever, however, so I can get by. It is no, I am the daughter of the Most High King. I've been set free, and so that is a no for me. And here's what he wants to set you free to. Here's why. They testified. This is what our dad told us. We can't do that. We're not doing any of that. We've always obeyed. 
And so we're going to obey again today. And what's amazing to see here too, and this is applicable to our lives, is in their sojourning mentality, so they never built a home, they never planted vineyards, they were never established so set in one place that they couldn't be mobile, right? And um, some of us are so set in certain things. The Lord's calling you to a transition or a change or a job change or a shift or a move, and you're like, I don't know. Do y'all know we just sold our house? My parents, one and a half years ago, built a house directly behind us, which is, I love my parents. Beautiful thing, incredible thing, a godly thing. Multi-generational family team together, praise God. But then he said, go. And we couldn't be so rooted to what he was doing to not respond to what he is doing. And there are seasons that need to shift in some of your life because in some places the grace has run out where you are. The grace really can expire. And the Spirit of God moves on, but we stay hunkered because we're so rooted. The Rechabites knew a transient mentality. And what happened as a result of that is they said, but when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the land, we said, come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So that's why we're living in Jerusalem. The Spirit of God is speaking to you and calling you to obedience because he is seeking to protect you. Some things God will move in you in advance. Nebuchadnezzar is one of the most wicked individuals in all of history. Satan... The antichrist spirit, unclean spirit, demonic assignments teeming all over this world are the Nebuchadnezzars moving into the land. And the spirit of God calls us to obey his word and obey his voice and obey his spirit because many times he is inviting you or calling you to do something for your good and for your protection before you even know what's coming. He could be calling you out of a relationship. He could be, I keep referencing that. And you're like, it's Galen times. Call me into a relationship, Lord. <laughs> or I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I say that because God is strategic. He will give us blueprints. He will give us understanding of things. He will move his people in strategic measures so as to shield them from the, 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 the God of the world, the Bible says, who is the deceiver from having such influence over them that Nebuchadnezzar comes to oppress the land that you will still be somewhere and suddenly be afflicted, pressed on every side, overwhelmed. God's still gonna be with you, but he wants to move you. He wants to set you free. And the kindness of God, when he calls us to obedience, often wants to move us in advance of any of that. And y'all are like, you may think like you're talking in code here, like give specifics. The Spirit of God wants to give you specifics on your life. Because many of you know something he's been saying or stirring or tugging in you for a long time. And some of that is a tug or a move out of sin. Some of that is a tug or a move in your next steps of obedience and faith. Some of that is a tug or a move drawing you into the word, drawing you into new assignments or position. 
The point is the Spirit of God wants to tug and move you. He stays in motion. Galatians 5.25 says, live by the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. This is a journey. Paul says it's like a marathon. Well, we get to the end and hear, well done. Even, do y'all ever seen somebody finish a marathon? Have y'all seen what happens when they turn the last corner and they see the finish line? They're like... <laughs> <laughs> People like defecate themselves. <laughs> it's like when the brain sees the finish line, the reality of what they just went through hits them. It's weird to watch. But I don't intend to inherit the kingdom of heaven and stand before the Lord puffed up and prettied. Like, did you see how I endured the fiery trials? He's like, you don't really look that smoky or you're... I'm like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't even smell of smoke. Like, no, I want to inherit and come into him wobbly and weak-kneed because I gave all of my life as a sojourner in this land. All of my strength all of my faith, all that I had to give because this is not your home. This isn't it. Praise God, this is not it. (laughs) And he's leading us. He wants to lead you and oftentimes he wants you to obey because he's protecting you from something. And he moved them because Nebuchadnezzar was coming and they had the wherewithal as sojourners to hear Okay, he's coming, pick it up, we shift. We must know intimacy with the Spirit of God so that still small voice speaks and we're like, that's different. That's not the opinion of my neighbor, that's not the opinion of my family, that's not my own thought, that's the Spirit of the God, of the living God. And he's giving me instruction. Send me, Lord, where do you have me? What do you have for me? And I think it's really important to understand this also isn't, and this is a timely word for the season right now because I really believe we're in a spiritual season of transition, of shift. A lot of people in the body of Christ are in motion right now, moving to new places or taking new assignments or whatever it may be. And if that's not you, don't feel like that is a shame, then you're not hearing God. No, 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 no. He's very strategic. And our job is to be tuned into his still small voice and to obey because it's much bigger than just you. It's about much more than just you. He is positioning people in his kingdom troops into place right now on the face of this earth because he is the general charting an entire spiritual strategy. And he needs his people to be tuned into his spirit and to operate in first-time obedience. I understand this is bigger than me. This is not about me. You want to use me and include me. You're in relationship with me. Praise God. But also, I'm a part of a kingdom family. I'm a part of an army. And my first-time obedience is really important in taking position of where you would have me be. And I tell you what, I have four kids, six and under. And all I want in this season of life, when I speak to my children, is first-time obedience. Because mommy knows, mommy has well Excel spreadsheeted in my mind the course of our day, what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, why we need to wear those shoes, why we need to go at this time, what has to happen. 
And when my children, oh my Lord, sanctify my heart, Father. When I give instruction to my child and their response, (sighs) I have different personality types in my family. So one, I won't name names in case my kids watch this back. I love you, mommy loves you. You are blessed and highly favored. But one of them is like, why would we do that? Why would we do it that way? Why would we do it at that time? Why would we need to wear those shoes? Where are we going? Uh, That's not where we should go. I heard that we should go here, here. What if we did this for... She wants to have a conversation. It's not really a conversation as much as it's a challenging boxing match of wills. Um, And she has no clue what is ahead, but she has everything she needs to talk through. The other one has the attention span of a mosquito. (laughs) And I love, I love this child. They're so young. There's so much grace here. But it's like, put on your shoes and we'll take a step towards the shoes. But then it's something else. (laughs) Became so exciting. Or we come with our shoes on our hands. (laughs) I'm like, put on your shoes. And the other one's off, busting his head open on something. It's like, the problem and what happens, though I am being sanctified through the process of motherhood, is that there was a bigger thing at work that had a lot of moving parts. And your first time obedience, children, was for your good, the good of the whole family, the good of where we were going. We wanted to make it to that party on time. It was going to be for me to wipe each of your mouths if you would just stand in a row. Why are you on the ceiling fan? Come back in the row. We could have been done in two seconds. There is so much instruction that I give my children that if they would operate in first time obedience, their lives would be blessed. Their lives would be better. Instead, I've got one we're spanking over the knee, one that is crying out, you never want to go where I want us to go. It's not the time. Oh my goodness. It becomes... (laughs) Sorry, some of y'all are like, I came for a getaway from this tonight. I know. The point is, if children would operate in first-time obedience, the bigger picture of everything in operation would take shape. And if we as the children of God would operate in first-time obedience, the bigger picture of what he's doing here on earth as it will be in heaven would take shape. But because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion, because of our delay, because we want to step up to the throne and say, I know that your word says this, but what about, what if, and in this situation, and I don't know, and I don't really like, and I don't really want to do, and I have a better idea. We're literally operating in a spirit of disobedience and rebellion that is even bigger than just us. It affects the kingdom story. Your life is intended to build the kingdom of God, not hinder it or slow down its progress. But the enemy loves disobedience and rebellion because they do just that. The Rechabites received protection because they moved in obedience, and you will as well. God uses these people as an example. This is the biggest, like, 
when I realized this, I was like, oh my goodness. He uses the Rechabites as an example to his own people. They didn't even know God. They didn't have a pillar of smoke and fire and cloud by night. They didn't have manna from heaven. They didn't have the voice of God. They didn't have the prophets that God was sending to literally vocalize the voice of God to them. They had none of those things, and yet they obeyed their earthly father. And God's saying to my people then and to my church now, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the gift of faith. You have the spirit of God literally speaking to you. You worshiped those songs proclaiming that I was good, but I'm speaking to you in your bed at night and you're terrified that I'm gonna lead you in a way that's gonna destroy you. You worship and you sing these lyrics that I'm faithful and I'm unchanging. And yet, because you don't understand A to Z about what I'm asking you to do, you're resistant to it and you're negotiating with me. Do you believe he is good or not? Do you believe he's faithful or not? I would say the real challenging question I have to ask myself is, do I believe I'm really hearing the voice of God or am I being deceived? That's the, that's the real one that takes the prayer and fasting. That's the one that takes you on your face in the prayer closet and draws you into the word because the enemy comes like an angel of light. And the serpent's voice can be very deceptive. And we have to be in fellowship and community and under leadership and discipleship and a body that's operating together. I wouldn't say too wide, because sometimes you can start asking 15 opinions and they're not all led by the Spirit of God either. But ask him, Father, I want to seek counsel. I want to have wisdom. Speak to me. And God, what does the word say? Two or three confirmations. He consistently works like this. He'll send confirmations, sometimes through others, sometimes something you'll hear, sometimes something you'll see. You'll know when he gives you confirmation. But we have to seek it. We have to seek being a part of a body that cares and that loves and is also sojourning through the land and seeking after the kingdom. He's giving us so much more than what these Rechabites in their flesh had in an earthly father that gave instruction. And yet he points out to his people, but still you won't obey. If they can obey their earthly father, why can you not obey me, your heavenly father? I love you. He's ministering to hearts in this room right now. I love you. I am not leading you off a cliff. I am not leading you to destruction. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never fail you. I have the plans and purposes for your life. I know the plans and purposes for your life. I have a greater story. What does he repeat in this over and over? I want to give you the land. The promised land, the blessing that comes with obedience. But he's saying to my people, not only, and this is going to be a conviction gut punch for some, but we're all moving in maturity. 
So keep walking forward. But to some, the, the, the challenge here as you're walking out your faith is I'm calling you to a new ground and a new assignment. You're walking with me. You know me. You love me. We're in step. We are really moving this thing forward. And I'm calling you to, to the next step. And I need you to obey me. But for many more, I would say the vast majority of the church in America, unfortunately, for many more, we're still at the milk phase. And he is saying, I need you to turn from your sin, to repent of your sin. What is the, the simple instruction he gives the Israelites? He's like, they're obeying their father, but you won't even incline your ear or listen to me for, to turn from your wicked ways. And if you want to be at the place as a mature believer who is boldly moving in power and authority by the blood of Jesus, building the kingdom of heaven, you have to first be the humbled one at his feet who is saying, search my heart and know me. If there is any hidden sin in me, if there is anything wicked in me, Lord, show me, refine me, purify me. I love you. I want you. I, I, I'm turning from this world. It's not my home. I want all of you, transform me. Whatever you say. Remember that first hour we came to believe? And it was like, send me to be a missionary. I'm headed to Peru. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was whatever he said at that moment, we obeyed. Because we encountered a mercy and a love and a grace and a spirit of God that was so sweet and so overwhelming. It was like, take my life and have it. But we, we live in this false mindset that looks like the world, that the, the, the continued walk of a believer is this walk of ascension and maturity, greater understanding, all of these things that go this way, when the reality is that the mature walk of a believer is greater and greater and greater humility, greater and greater and greater surrender, greater and greater and greater obedience that will make you look foolish to the world, but will make you strong in the spiritual realm. <laughs> And, and yet somewhere on this path, we start out on fire and we live it out. And somewhere it just, we forget that amazing grace at the hour we believed. We rationalize, we talk out, we just sort of function. Some of you want the fire of God lit back in your spirit, lit back in your heart. We need it. We need to have our lamps burning. Who knows about the 10 virgins? Five wise, five foolish. They all had lanterns, but the wise, this was the word that was at Colleen's church where we originally connected. The wise had enough oil. They were waiting and they were ready. The oil was being pressed out of them. There is an oil he wants to extract from you. He wants to press from you. That is a life lived that looks like the life of Jesus who was pressed but not crushed. The church that will remain in the times to come is a humble and hungry church, ready and willing to obey. Whether that's finding you in this moment of the obedience of turning from sin, of repenting, of extending forgiveness, of asking for forgiveness, of obeying the word, 
or if it's finding you in a place that's trying to move you into greater position and saying, obey, follow me, I got you. I've had you over and over and over and over again. Some of us need to just sit down tonight and remember all the ways that the Lord has moved and shown up. But also some of us need to sit down tonight and repent and renounce our rebellion and our disobedience because it's only for our harm and our hindrance. He wants to give us the good portion. Do we trust that? Do we trust that? Note at the end, he says, but to the house of the Rechabites, well, the Israelites who wouldn't obey, calamity does come upon them. Not by God. God's just the lilies and we skip in the field and it's all amazing. No, God's just. And where there is obedience, there's blessing. (laughs) And where there's disobedience, there's curse. Not because he wants to curse us, but because there's a just law in the spirit realm. And when we choose sin, we're choosing the camp that comes with curse. And when we choose him, we're choosing the camp that comes with his goodness, his mercy. We're protected. But he gives us free will because he loves us. He's not going to force you. I have covered so many bases tonight. Some of y'all literally look like cattle in the headlights of a car. <laughs> like deer, I mean. Just like. <laughs> Calamity does come to the house and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He doesn't want it for them. He doesn't want it for you. But disobedience will bring situations. Oh my goodness. When I was in college, after my dad passed, I ran into so much disobedience. Because, man, I didn't have an earthly father who was going to hang in the love being up. Try to tell me about a heavenly father. Give me a break. There was a disconnect in my heart because my earthly father had abandoned. I didn't understand the love of a heavenly father that was sure. So I ran into disobedience, alcohol, partying, drinking, you name it. It looked like the average college kid. That's what's scary. So in the darkest place, suicidal thoughts and promiscuity. And this is just full disclosure. I don't know that I've ever actually shared this. But because of my disobedience, I started having physical issues, rashes, losing hair, hives, had to go to the clinic over and over, had to literally get tested for AIDS one time. What? It wasn't because God wanted that for me. It was because curse comes with disobedience. When he transformed my heart and pulled me out of the pit, and healed me, and delivered me of a spirit of suicide, he's going to deliver some people tonight. And all of that transformation, and I began to walk in the ways of him and say, no, that's not for me. This offer looks great, but I'm going to go pray on that, and I'm going to discern because he has given me a spirit that gives the gift of discernment. The discernment of spirits, and I want to know what sourced that offer. I want to know what spirit was behind that opportunity for me. That's the discernment of spirits. To know what sourced that offer to me. Was this from the spirit of the living God who is leading me? And it'll look challenging. There'll be bumps in the road. Or was this from another spirit 
And other spirits can operate out of church people. And other spirits can operate out of unsaved people. And other spirits are in operation to bring you off course from what God has for you. Holy Spirit, give us the gift of the discernment of spirits that we may weigh what is before us and walk in your ways. Your word says at the end of this passage, but to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. The Rechabites were obeying the word of God and they didn't even know the word of God. Honor your father and mother. They were honoring their earthly father in their obedience and in the spiritual realm that is a principle carried out that a just God is going to bless. The Rechabites will never fail to have a man stand before me. The obedient people of God will never fail to stand before the throne of God and say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, surely the earth is filled with your glory. The obedient people of God will never lack the strength to stand before the giants, to stand before Nebuchadnezzar as he enters the land, to stand wherever on this temporary earth and testify to the one who set them free and the one who wants to save souls right now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few because many of us are rooted in the spot we are and either choosing disobedience or not cultivating intimacy with him to hear his voice and obey. And the Spirit of God wants to say over his bride, over the church, you'll never lack a man to stand before me. You'll never lack a woman to stand before me. But oftentimes we look like those of Jerusalem more than we look like the obedient children of God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.